So of course, as we have in the last couple of weeks, I invite you to pull out your pew Bible, or if you've brought one from home, to pull that out, and you can turn to Mark chapter 6 this week. And you might recall that last week we did chapter 6, part 1. We got through those first three parts, and now we'll do the last three parts of Mark chapter 6. And so before we begin, we might remember, and this is important, that in chapter 4, we met Jesus the teacher. Remember, he's talking a lot about seeds and light. He's preaching in the boat. And then in chapter 5, we met Jesus the healer. So he's going out to heal the man with mental illness, the woman who was hemorrhaging, the girl who was, uh, who was dead and brought back to life. So we've met the teacher, the healer. And in chapter 6, we're moving a little bit more towards Jesus the prophet. So in the first chapter 6 portion, we saw Jesus teaching. Remember, the prophet not accepted in his hometown. And we saw Jesus also sending the disciples out on their mission and saying, take not much with you. And then we had that word intercalation come up, which is this flashback to John the Baptist's beheading that sits right in the middle of chapter 6. And so now that, friends, is where we are. And I'll invite Maureen to come up and take us through the next few portions. Good morning. Mark 6, 30 to 56, feeding the 5,000. The apostles gathered around Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. He said to them, come away to a deserted place all by yourselves and rest a while. For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. And they went away in the boat to a deserted place by themselves. Now many saw them going and recognized them. And they hurried there on foot from all the towns and arrived ahead of them. As he went ashore, he saw a great crowd. And he had compassion for them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. When it grew late, his disciples came to him and said, this is a deserted place, and the hour is now very late. Send them away so that they may go into the surrounding country and villages and buy something for themselves to eat. But he answered them, you give them something to eat. They said to him, are we to go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give it to them to eat? And he said to them, how many loaves have you? Go and see. When they had found out, they said, five and two fishes. Then he ordered them to get all the people to sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and of fifties, taking the five loaves and two fish. He looked up to heaven and blessed and broke the loaves and gave them to his disciples to set before the people. And he divided the two fish among them all, and all ate and were filled. And they took up 12 baskets full of broken pieces and of the fish. Those who had eaten the loaves numbered 5,000 men. Jesus walks on water. Immediately, he made his disciples get into the boat and go on ahead to the other side, to Bethsaida, 
while he dismissed the crowd. After saying farewell to them, he went up on the mountain to pray. When evening came, the boat was out on the sea, and he was alone on the land. When he saw that they were straining at the oars against an adverse wind, he came toward them early in the morning, walking on the sea. He intended to pass them by, but when they saw him walking on the sea, they thought it was a ghost and cried out, for they all saw him and were terrified. But immediately he spoke to them and said, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. Then he got into the boat with them, and the wind ceased, and they were utterly astounded, for they did not understand about the loaves, but their hearts were hardened. When they had crossed over, they came to land at Genesaret and moored the boat. When they got out of the boat, people at once recognized them and rushed about that whole region and began to bring the sick on mats to wherever they heard he was and wherever he went, into villages or cities or farms. They laid the sick in the marketplaces and begged him that they might touch or even the fringe of his cloak, and all who touched it were healed. Amen. Please join me in a spirit of prayer. Holy God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of each and every one of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. May you open up this scripture for us so that we can pull out some insights, some questions, some wonderings, and see how this is speaking to our lives today. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. So second part of chapter six of Mark, we've got these three distinct movements, right, that Maureen talked about, (laughs) these three distinct movements. So the first movement is that Jesus feeds this large crowd, and we hear that there are 5,000 people. Later, we hear that it's 5,000 men, so there are way more than 5,000 people. (laughs) And then we have this second movement where Jesus is walking on water. Then we have this third movement, very short where Jesus is continuing to heal. So that's kind of the three parts of this section from today. So we're going to go through this kind of bit by bit. So we're going to start with these 5,000 people. So to talk about that, we have first this exhausted team, right? Exhausted Jesus, exhausted disciples. And they're going to go out to this more deserted place, kind of out of town. But then all the people hear about it, and so they come too. And so this retreat turns into more of a conference almost. And there's all these people, and they're very hungry for spiritual leadership and spiritual teaching. And we hear this this, phrase, a sheep without a shepherd. And I grew up um, in a fairly agricultural space, so I had goats and chickens and horses when I grew up. And um, when, when you first get livestock, I don't know if any of you have been in this case, when you first get livestock... They really are like the sheep without a shepherd kind of mindset. They're fairly confused. They sort of don't listen. They're, but they're desperately seeking some sort of leadership. And so when you go up to them and you're imprinting with this livestock and you're helping them to understand that you are their leader, 
all of a sudden they become much calmer and they become more unified in how they move and they walk and how they eat and how they sleep and rest and, um, you know, and, and their movements become more ordered. And so this is an interesting thing. He's speaking to people who understand this agricultural mindset of what a sheep without a shepherd would look like and how important and how much those livestock seek to have this kind of leadership and organization. So then this story grows a bit darker because the sun is setting and the disciples become really nervous and anxious, which is their role in most of the Gospels, especially Mark. And so they're really anxious and they're saying, Jesus, we have to figure out how to feed all these people or we have to send them out because it's getting dark and there's a ton of them and there's no food here and they're going to become very hungry. And so they say, Jesus, maybe we should send them away. And Jesus says, kind of in this retort, well, why don't you give them something to eat? (laughs) And so this is a little bit of an interesting thing. I think about this pedagogically. So Jesus at first really um, kind of coddles the disciples in the start of the gospel, but by now he sent them out on missions. He's expecting more of them, and he starts to get a little bit uh, firmer in his dialect with them in these stories. And so he says, you give them something to eat, and the disciples are again completely confused because there's tons and tons of people And they really don't have much of anything on them in the way of food or money to buy food. And so Jesus asks, well, what do you have? And so that's when they say, well, we've got these five loaves of bread and these two fish. And that's really not much, right? And so Jesus says, well, why don't you first go and talk to the people and have them sit down in groups on the grass? And there's so many people that when he says groups, it's not like a 12-seater dining table. He's talking about 50 people over here, 100 people over here, and they're kind of circled up in the grass, And so Jesus says, have them go sit down. And then Jesus does his thing. And so he takes these five loaves and these two fish and he lifts them up to heaven and he blesses them. And it's always interesting to think about Jesus blessing things, isn't it? And so he blesses them and he sets them back down again. And then he hands them to the disciples and the disciples are told to go out and divide it up. Divide up these five loaves and these two fish. And this seems kind of impossible, doesn't it? And yet, everyone eats, and they're filled up. And this we're going to come back to. What is the deal between tiny, meager rations being divided amongst thousands of people, and then everyone's eating, and they're filled up, and in fact, there's leftovers? There has to be something happening in between that. That's a gap. And then when everybody's done eating, there's in fact these leftovers, and it's interesting to note how many baskets of leftovers. There's 12 baskets of leftovers. And so we are driving home this theme of abundance. And then we hear that the number of people who were fed at the end is this 5,000 men, kind of this shock surprise. But of course, then there's also the women and the children and more. And so the real question that comes to mind for a lot of people in this is what is happening between those two moments, between this understanding that there is meager rations, having the people sit down, and then people being fed and in fact filled with leftovers. What is happening between that? And there's a couple of theories that people might have. So perhaps Jesus blessing the bread and the fish actually multiplied them. Maybe that happened. And so perhaps there were actually bread and then almost like a magical yeast sort of situation. It it multiplied and there was enough. Maybe that happened. Or maybe there was this uh, kind of mysterious metaphysical piece where there were only the five bread and the two fish and yet somehow that filled the people. Maybe that happened. That somehow that filled the people and there were still leftovers. Or perhaps 
It's more like what is sometimes called the miracle of the potluck, in which, (laughs) and this is very scholarly, and there's a lot of theologians who talk about this, but also it is super true to everybody's church experience, right? If you've been in church long enough, you've been to some potlucks. And so uh, many people see this as kind of a story about two main themes. So there's scarcity and abundance, and there's generosity. And so when Jesus asked those disciples to put down that food in the middle, perhaps that spurs this intense generosity of spirit in all of the people around those little rations who pull out their own little half loaf of bread and toss that in and their own little bit of leftovers over here and toss that in. And perhaps what happened in between Jesus blessing the loaves and the fish and the people being full is that potluck miracle. And so, as a lot of us know, the potluck is almost the, the, uh, the main sacrament that happens outside of worship. It is our fellowship. It is our ways in which we gather around the table. And we do potlucks pretty well in church communities throughout the world. And what's funny is that before church potlucks, we as Christians have kind of this script that we follow, and it's similar to the disciples, which is this, there won't be enough food. Who's going to get more food? And that happens every time, right? And so somebody is going to every time say, there's going to be way too many side dishes and no salad. And then somebody every single time is going to say, there's going to be one plate of cookies, only a couple of people are going to have cookies, what do we do? And so that is kind of the potluck script, which is fabulous because we are the disciples in that moment. And yet, somehow, what I find is that they just kind of work out, don't they? Those potlucks just kind of work out. And it's not the last meal you'll ever have, so if it's a moderately filling meal, you're okay. And so there's usually leftovers too. Somehow it works out. Somehow somebody shows up with a bit of casserole, somebody shows up with some salad, and it works out just fine. That's kind of what we'll be doing during the Lenten Supper Club every week. We're going to meet for some some food and some potluck and kind of do this in real life every couple of times. So this miracle that Jesus performs on the hillside, we might think of it as a miracle of the potluck. And the thing is, it to me, and I don't know about you, but to me, the miracle of people becoming that generous, that actually is miraculous to me. I know a lot of people, and I'm sure we all know a lot of people, and it is hard for people to, as a group, become that generous together. And it is hard for people, individually and as a group, to move from mindsets of scarcity and fear to abundance and generosity and grace. That is really hard for people to do. And so I think that that is, in and of itself, a miracle. I don't personally need to feel as if the bread was multiplied in that moment to understand that that is a miraculous event. And so we then move from that potluck onto the water again. And we know that in the Gospel of Mark and in others, the water is a theme that permeates throughout. And so the second story, Jesus walking on water, basically it starts with him sending the disciples away in a boat And Jesus is dispersing the crowds, and he's saying farewell. And he's trying to get a little bit of peace. And sometimes I read into this, Jesus has a fairly introverted side because he's constantly trying to get away, get some peace, get some quiet, get some prayer. And he's often, you know, neglecting to get this recharge time. He's trying to get a little bit away. And so he's alone on the land, and the disciples are out in the boat, And now the disciples in the boat, that's a scene that we've seen before. And what happens when those disciples are in a boat? Somehow stormy waters happen. (laughs) 
And so these stormy waters happen, and the disciples then become afraid. So they're again doing their role. The stormy waters happen, and the disciples, or us, become afraid. And so there they are. They're back in the boat. They're afraid the stormy waters are happening. Jesus is on land, and he sees them struggling again with a strong wind. These waves, these winds, they're struggling. And so Jesus heads towards them. But how does he get there? He's not swimming and he's not flying and he's not teleporting. So he is walking on water to get there. And here's an interesting line which we can talk about later at some point. He intends to pass them by. What's that about, huh? (laughs) We can think about that. But regardless, the plan changes and the disciples see him and they become, in fact, more afraid because they think he's a ghost. And so we're picking up on a theme here that when these stormy waters happen in the midst of the storm, the disciples tend to be full of fear. And that resonates with me too. In the midst of storms in my life, external, internal, when the stormy times happen, I become afraid. And perhaps in that fear, there's shakiness, there's maybe lack of trust, but there's also this desire for Jesus to come and calm it down. And you may have felt that too, the storms rise, you become afraid, And it would be nice for somebody to come up alongside you and help calm it down. And that's what Jesus does. So he sees their fear, and he announces who he is, and then he hops into the boat with them. And that's this accompanying Jesus that we know, this one who hops into the boat with us in our times of trial, who comes right up alongside us and who calms the storms that are raging around us. And so I wonder if you've ever had that happen in your life where you are just in the midst of a storm, but you feel that presence of God come up alongside you, calming that raging storm in your life. So the disciples, they are astounded. And this is another interesting line that I'm wondering what you think about, that they didn't understand about the loaves and their fishes. And they didn't understand about their loaves and their hearts were hardened. What does that mean? So it's a throwback to that previous section. They didn't understand about the loaves and their hearts were hardened. We can think about that. In the Gospel of Mark, there is this continuous theme of baffled disciples that we've been talking about. And sometimes it's almost comical, but a lot of times it's really relatable. This idea of humans not understanding the enormous mystery of God's love through Jesus, especially in times of stress. So then we get to the third section. And this is about healing the sick again. And it's just a little piece at the end of the chapter. The disciples and Jesus, they arrive by boat. They dock the boat. Jesus gets out, and the people recognize him right away. And so we're picking up this theme here, this well-known Jesus, this idea that the word has spread about who Jesus is. People are really recognizing him. And so people start bringing their loved ones to Jesus, often on mats. So these are people who need great help, and they're being brought to Jesus just to be close to him, hoping for healing. And there's like a fervent faithfulness in this imagery. I think sometimes about some of the first televangelists and the video footage of these people swarming to them. So there's almost a a desperate hope in this. And so people are being brought to him. People are bringing their loved ones up just bringing them closer, hoping for healing, hoping that even if they touch the fringe of his garment, they might be healed. Remember how the woman who was bleeding in chapter 5, how she touched the fringe of his garment? And that's our miraculous Jesus. 
That's the Jesus whose presence and message is so powerful as to fully transform lives. So he transforms people mentality-wise, bringing people from scarcity to abundance and inspiring this great generosity. And then he also calms the storms of the seas. He walks out on the water, he accompanies, he does what is seemingly impossible just in order to be present to his people. And then finally, he heals the broken places in the people and in us, healing those places and bringing us into new life and community. And that's the Jesus that we meet in this chapter six. So let's just take a moment of silence here. And I would love to hear from you. What's a thought? What's a phrase? What's a scripture or a word or a question that's coming out of this for you today? <laughs> 